0: Well, let's celebrate being at church together today, everybody. It's a privilege to gather uh, together, man. If you're brand new, we're so glad that you're with us. Church Online, we love you as well. We're thankful for wherever you're watching from. For you, uh, join us here today. And we are in a series called This Wonderful Life. Uh, Just a few things we're celebrating. Ten people got baptized last week. Let's celebrate that together. I love that. Uh, Also, many of you wrote down names of people that you are praying for. Uh, that would find Jesus this Christmas season. We can't think of a better gift for somebody than they would find Jesus around the Christmas season. And so, um, in fact, we've got a picture of those names. Uh, our, our ladies in the office spent some time on this, y'all. Like, they wrote down every single name. There are literally thousands of names up on uh, this board, and this is hanging in our office. In, in all December, we're just going to be praying over your friends and your family members this Christmas. And if you're just driving by during the week and the office is open, I want to encourage you, just stop in. Spend a couple minutes praying for all of these people. Uh, we're looking forward to Christmas Eve. We've got six different gatherings that we're going to have here for Christmas Eve. And all month long, we're doing the Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas light drive Through, which some of you have already served at that. Uh, if you drive by during the evening, you'll see people out there with signs. and just having a blast out there. And thank you for signing up for that. Uh, we've seen over 200 of you sign up just to be out there greeting people as they show up, and uh, one thing I love about ACF, you guys show up when it's time to serve, and I, I appreciate that, and I'm just thankful for a church family that gets the mission that we're here. If you have a Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to get to that text here in just a minute. Uh, We are uh, watching clips from It's a Wonderful Life, and in this clip you've got George Bailey, um, and he's talking to Clarence, his angel, right? So we don't get our angelology from This Wonderful Life. Uh, It's a little bit skewed, but but we we do learn some interesting things. And in this moment, what you see is that... You've got George Bailey, who's really discouraged about the journey that he's been on. He's, he's discouraged that he hasn't lived into all of the potential that's inside of himself, and, and even to the point that he actually tries to take his own life. He's that discouraged that he's not living the life he intends to live, and the angel's showing him, this is a world without you. This is what it looks like if you don't lean into who you are, if you don't show up, if you're not around anymore, this is what happens. You're making more of an impact than you realize. But what you kind of sense inside of George Bailey is this yearning for meaning. And he's got this question, I think, inside of him that we have inside of all of us. And it's simply this Does my life matter? And whether you are a Christian or you're here just kind of satisfying your friend or your mom just by going to church, whatever your reason is for being here, we all wonder this Does my life matter? A few years ago, I went to a financial advisor. My wife and I uh, were trying to plan for the future and figure out, okay, how much do we need to save for retirement? And we sat down, and he asked us this question that still to this day almost kind of haunts me and and, uh, it challenges me, makes me think about life a little different. And and, uh, he asked both of us this. He goes, okay, guys, so how long do you plan on living? Which is like a funny question, right? Like, I'm I'm going all the years, just like we want to live... All the years, it's kind of hard to know how long I plan on living. I guess as long as I can, but but you know he's going. Oh, well, I got a plan for the future and know how many years you're going to live and have enough money for all of those years. And I'm, I, I just was set back because I was thinking, well, man, life really is short, and and my days are actually numbered. Do you know that? Like your days are already numbered, and, and that we aren't guaranteed another minute on this earth. And when you start to be confronted with the brevity of your life, you start to wonder, am I living it well? Does my life matter? Am I spending my days well? And I just can think of times in my life where I've been confronted with that, like birthdays can be hard, right? It's like another birthday, here I I was, I'm another year older, did I do anything valuable with my life? I just turned 40 this year, so I'm officially old, just check the box, right? Like like I'm on my way, Uh, and, and so I just, I think about what have I done in my life? Does my life matter? Interesting. We tend to live for potential, don't we? We want to live into our potential, all the things that we that we could do, and, and so much of our lives are driven by potential. Um, who, let's be honest in church on, on Sunday morning. Who here has ever bought a lottery ticket? Be real in the room. Many of you, you sinners, look at you. No, just I've done it too. I bought a lottery ticket when I was just as soon as I was old enough to buy one. I bought one and wasted my money like everybody else. But I bought a lottery ticket. Why did I buy? A lottery ticket because there's a chance, right? So you're saying there's a chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this opportunity to get a lottery ticket with the hope that maybe I could be the one that hits the jackpot. It's potential that drives me. Why did you choose the school that you went to? You thought, well, the potential of getting the best job that I can get, making those, the most money I could, I could make, will increase if I go to this school. So I'm going I'm to go to that school based on potential. Why did you ask that guy out or that girl out, right? Like, like why did you go, hey, let's go hang out? Because potentially they were going to say yes, right? And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But in the end, it's potential that drives so much of our lives. What is potential? Potential is what you might be able to do. It's what you might be able to do. And that's, that's what many of us are thinking. What are the things that I could do? And, and if I could do it, certainly I should do it, right? That's how most of us live our lives. If I I can do it, certainly I should do it. And when it comes to potential, I see two pitfalls that people fall into. The first pitfall is that people end up wasting potential. Do you know that God has given you gifts? He's placed skills and abilities inside of you, and that he wants to use those things for a greater purpose than yourself. And so many of us can kind of walk through life and never really leverage the things that God has placed inside of us. We can waste our potential. The other thing we can tend to do is worship our potential. Do you worship it like, man, it's always about the next thing. It's always about the next goal. It's always about the next accomplishment. And this can happen really for us as Christians is that we can kind of pursue the next religious activity or, or we can try to kick that habit in our lives and try to become better people, which isn't a bad thing in and of itself, but it will never satisfy. Like you will never get good enough that you can be satisfied with yourself. Like you will never do enough in this world that you will go, okay, now I'm happy, right? Now I'm finally okay. We can tend to worship the potential in our lives of growing and and doing other things and and being better people, or we can waste the potential in our lives and never pursue anything. And so potential, it's really an interesting thing that drives so much of our lives. And in in this world, a lot of people are really dissatisfied right now. Do you know that? Like, Like, we live in the most productive generation with the most technology to be constantly producing things and accomplishing things that that has ever existed on the face of the earth, and we are the most depressed generation that has ever existed as well. And and it should cue us in that we are doing more, accomplishing more, and yet we are more depressed and more discouraged, and most people don't feel like they're satisfied. I was reading a study of uh, 20-somethings This week that said that they they took a survey in 2009 and compared it to today and between 2009 and today the number of 20-somethings that have attempted suicide has doubled in just those many years and so we have we've got to go okay why is it that oh look how progressive we are look how far we've come look how much we've accomplished we're we're certainly so much better than people were 10 years ago and yet we're more depressed more discouraged I mean, mental health is, is just a major issue in our society, and so certainly something isn't working. Something isn't working. Fulfilling all of our potential isn't necessarily giving us what we hoped it would. Now, is potential a bad thing? No, it's not. I mean, it's not bad to use the gifts that God has given you. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So who here would say that people have called you driven before? If you, if you, I would say that I am driven in certain areas of my life, right? I am selectively driven. I'll be, that would probably describe me well. Like certain things I can be extremely driven about. And there's nothing wrong with being driven in and of itself. It's good to have goals. It's good, like, if you've got a business that's thriving and you're starting another business or, or you're selling real estate or, you know, whatever you're going after, you know, the next degree, like, that's not a bad thing in and of itself. Here's the deal. It will never satisfy you. Fulfilling every bit of potential that you have it just will never satisfy. So I, let's go back to Jesus, because Jesus is kind of the model, right? We believe Jesus lived the most full life that can be lived, right? Jesus knew exactly how to live. He knew the best way to be human. And so we go to the life of Christ, and we go, how did Jesus live? So here's a question for you. Did Jesus fulfill all of his potential? Did he do it all? I mean, look at the way Christ lived, and, and you just see the way he did ministry. Do you realize that Jesus healed a lot of people? That's, that's pretty cool, you know? Like, he is God in the flesh, that's a a pretty cool thing to fulfill, right? Dies on the cross, was resurrected, that's cool to fulfill that. But did he fulfill all of his potential? When he would heal someone, do you know that he would walk by someone else that was asking for healing and not heal them? Do you know that Jesus had all the power of the universe within him, and yet he chose to heal some and not others? So did he fulfill all of his potential? Do you ever ask God to do things in your life that he could potentially do he chooses not to do them? Certainly, that, that happens all the time. Like, certainly, like, we would say, oh, Jesus, he lived the perfect life, but here's what you need to know is that he did not fulfill all of his potential. Think of the way that, t- uh, that Satan tempted Jesus. Uh, th- think about this moment where Jesus is beginning his ministry. We know that he was tempted by the devil. This is verse 8 of Matthew chapter 4. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms, kingdoms of the world in their splendor, All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I always just think of like Simba, all of this can be yours, right? Like all of this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. What did Satan tempt Jesus with? Potential. Satan tempted Jesus with potential that wasn't his purpose. And he will do the same to you. He will tempt you to try to do all the things that you can possibly do and, and, and fulfill all of these dreams and yet you can do all of that at the expense of your purpose. And we know this, right? To say yes to something is to say no to something else. Isn't that true? So to say yes to, to this like frenetic energy that we spend on all of these things is to also to say no to certain things that maybe God is asking you to do or that he has created you to do. And that you can go through your life accomplishing so much and yet never, never fulfill your purpose. Never get a real answer to that question. Does my life really matter? Think about that. If you have Jesus inside of you, you are full of unlimited possibility, which means you are infinitely powerful. And that power can either become an exhausting, unfulfilling, and endless drive for a sense of meaning, or it can be leveraged for the assignments that God has specifically called you to do. And that's where we we really want to live. Here's the deal, and this is so true, is that to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to sacrifice some potential. There will be a sacrifice to make to fulfill your purpose. This is called obedience. To be obedient to God means not to necessarily be obedient to your own desires or the desires of others for your life. It's really to choose God first and say, what are you calling me to do? And to do that, you're going to have to give up some other things. I've got some good friends, uh, the Hoffmans, Brent and Liz, um, they might be watching online. Uh, They moved to Czech Republic a few years ago to do ministry there, and uh, they are some of the most talented and well-educated and godly people that I know. They are full of incredible potential, and a few years ago, they sat down together, and I mean, they could be teaching at colleges and doing different things for their career, and they sat down, they're like, what does God want us to do? And they said, oh, he wants us to forsake those things so that we can go and share the good news of, of Jesus with people in the Czech Republic, and so they move across the world, and they go and do that. They had to sacrifice some fo- potential to fulfill their purpose. Does that make sense? Another friend of mine, he's got a, a thriving business. He's doing really well for himself. He's spent a lot of years building this business up, and, and we were talking at one point. He was saying, like, man, there's a lot of things I could do. I know there's always things happening at the church, and I really want to be there and be involved, but he said, you know what God is calling me to do? He's called me to to start this business and, and, and run a successful business so that I can fund the ministry of the church. And so he's like, he goes, you might not see me there all the time, but trust me, I'm there. I'm involved. I'm engaged. I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. I'm sacrificing some potential to fulfill my purpose. If potential is what you could do, here's what purpose is. purpose is what you were made to do. You ever been in a moment like that where you're like, I was made for this? And don't you love moments like that? You realize, I think there's something God has uniquely designed me to do, and here I am doing it. It's extremely fulfilling. I think we all want more of that in our lives. More moments where we are fulfilling our purpose. Now, how do you, wanna, how do you find your purpose? We could spend a whole uh, series on just discovering your purpose. Uh, here's something I just drew up real quick as a simple way to begin to kind of identify your purpose. And, and uh, basically, we all have skills, passions, and opportunities. You have specific things that you are good at that I am terrible at. And there are things that I'm good at that maybe you're terrible at, and that's a skill that God has given me. There are also passions that are in your life. There are things that make you angry and things that get you really excited, right? Things that light a fire inside of you, right? These are the passions that you have. You also have opportunities. You have friendships that I don't have, a family that I'm not involved with, right? You live in a place that I don't live. You go to a a workplace that I don't work in. So you have unique opportunities in where your skills, passions, and opportunities converge. You'll begin to discover your purpose. You'll you'll start seeing, okay, man, maybe I am uniquely positioned for this in my life. And that's all well and good. Some of you have discovered that thing. Some of you have realized it can be many things, which means, don't miss this, this is so important, when you discover whatever fits into that place of convergence, you absolutely must start praying about it. And ask God, God, is this what I'm called to do? Is this the thing I am meant to do? Because if you live a life pursuing potential instead of purpose, you will never experience the one thing everyone is looking for, contentment. Contentment. It's that thing that's so far out of grasp for most people. It's that thing that people who are depressed and discouraged, man, they just they want something to change in their life to make them happy. The thing they can't grab is contentment, right? Anybody listen to U2 growing up? Remember the song? I have climbed the highest mountain, right? And he goes, but I still haven't found, help me out, what I'm looking for. right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that song. It takes me back. I'm going to go listen to that this afternoon. A little U2. But by that, that song is just like, a, it's an expression of that desire, that unfulfilled desire for contentment that will never be fulfilled by going after potential, after potential, after potential. In the book of Philippians, we, uh, we hear from a guy named Paul, and we, we could talk a lot about Paul, but what you need to know about Paul is that Paul was on his own spiritual journey. Paul was a, uh, a, a crucifier of Christians, like, he actually killed Christians. That was his, his job, his passion. He hated Christians. I guess if you hate Christians, you would love Paul, right? He's one of those guys. Just, like, wants nothing to do with Christians and, 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 and actually kills them and then has this dramatic moment in an interaction with Jesus. His life is transformed. Then he is transformed into somebody who is sharing the good news of Jesus with the world, planting churches, and uh, Paul finds himself at this moment in jail. And this is where he writes what we know as the prison epistles or the prison letters. And uh, he's in jail in a moment that I would say he's probably wondering if he's fulfilling his purpose. And Paul, remember this about Paul, he is a charismatic, high power, like somebody with high influence in the world. He has so much potential within him. And when he meets Jesus, all of that potential gets focused on the kingdom of God. And he aligns everything he's doing with moving the kingdom forward, sharing Jesus with people, building leaders, and planting churches. Paul knows why he lives. Like, you just get the sense that Paul, when he gets up in the morning, he knows why he exists. That he knows the answer to that question, does my life mean anything? And so he wakes up and does that. He He's in jail. I would guess when he's in jail, he's feeling like uh, a little bit like he's wasting his potential. I don't know if any of you have been in jail. Maybe if some of you have been. But it's probably not a moment uh, where you feel like you're living your best life, right? Like it's a moment where you're feeling a little stuck. A little bit like you're not fulfilling all of your potential. And so Paul, sitting in jail, says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write some letters. And I would guess when he wrote these letters, he would have had no idea that 2,000 years later, we're still reading his letters. But he sat down and he wrote these letters when he's experiencing so much opposition. I mean, so many reasons to be discouraged and depressed and to feel like, man, I'm just not living the life that I'm intended to live. So many reasons to, to be like George Bailey going like, what is the point of my life? I'm not fulfilling all of my potential. Paul experienced beatings. He experienced rejection of right? Because when he becomes a Christian, the people who were Christians are like, yeah, we'll see, right? Like, I mean, you were killing our friends not that long ago. We'll see, right? So walk through rejection. He experienced poverty. He gave up riches to share the gospel. He experienced imprisonment. And in this moment, he's experiencing isolation, and he feel, I would guess at moments, he felt like he's wasting his life away. And yet in this moment, we know he is actually fulfilling his purpose. I want you to think about that. Like when you think you're fulfilling your purpose, what you connect that to is success, right? By the world's standards. Like, like I'm killing it. I'm making lots of money. My family's doing great. We're having kids. Or, you know, I'm achieving goals. I'm, you know, everything's going well. That's how I know I'm fulfilling my purpose. Paul is in chains for the gospel doing exactly what God has called him to do. Right in the middle of why he exists. And think about what he says in Philippians 4.10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And so he's telling the church in Philippi, hey, um, I know it took a while for news to get to you that I was in prison. Because news traveled a little slower in the first century, right? So he's like, took a little while. Finally, you heard that I was in prison. And then what did they do? They sent a little care package to Paul, which is nice. So he's responding to them. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need. Listen to this. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul's like, thanks for the gift package, but I'm not saying that because I need it. I'm not saying that because I needed you to acknowledge my situation I don't feel entitled to you going, oh, good job, Paul, you're in prison for the God. Like, he wasn't looking for applause, he's just going, hey, thanks for this, but not because I needed it, because I have learned what it means to be content in any, in every circumstance. So three things real quick for us to talk about today, three ways that we can tell if we're living for potential or for purpose. The first is this, you're living for potential if you're driven by human affirmation. How much do you think about what other people say about you? How much does that drive your life? How much do you, when people are like saying good things about you and encouraging you and saying, hey, add a boy, add a girl, do you feel better about yourself? And how terrible do you feel when the people around you are saying negative things about you? You are living for potential instead of purpose if you're driven by human affirmation. Paul's like, hey, thanks for the encouragement, but. I don't also need that because I'm actually content because Paul knows exactly who he is in Christ. You see, at the base of this desire to find out does my life have meaning is the reality that you will accomplish so many different things in your life and, and they will only leave you hungry and thirsty for more. Paul knows this and he realizes this and so he goes to prison fully content in who he is in Christ And with that contentment, he can can experience a lot of different things and still be okay. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Right? He knows what it's like to be on top, and he knows what it's like to be in the valley. And some of you have been there. You're like, yep, I remember when uh, I was doing really well at life. And this season has been really, really hard. So Paul is saying, trust me, I get it. I get that you connect your Purpose in life to how well things seem like they're going. But don't do that because things are going to ebb and flow. Sometimes you'll do well, sometimes you're not doing well. Either way, do you know who you are in Jesus? Now, I know contentment seems like a word that some of you want to resist, especially if you're on that driven spectrum over here, right? But I would say contentment is something that's misunderstood. And, and, And here are a few distortions of contentment. The first is this contentment is not laziness. Laziness is when you just don't move, like you just don't do anything. That's not contentment. That's not the kind of contentment that Paul is talking about. He is on the move, constantly doing things to share Jesus with people. Laziness is not apathy. This is when you don't care. Again, we can fall on two sides of this whole thing when it comes to potential, you know, worshiping or wasting. Either you're the kind of person that like you die on every hill, right? If there's a need, you go and try to meet it. You're like, oh, there's children starving over here. I need to go help them. Or there's people in downtown Anchorage, homeless people. I need to serve them. Oh, there's a new ministry at ACF. I need to do that. Or the doors are open over here. I need to be in there. And so you just like spread yourself out with all the potential, yet you don't ever fulfill your purpose. On the other side are people who have yet to find a hill that's worth dying on, right? Where you're like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but somebody else will do that man, somebody should really do something else, something about, you know, the homelessness issue. Somebody should really do something about all those names that are on the board. Man, somebody should really share Jesus with them, invite them to church. I hope they find their way to ACF and see an advertisement somewhere. Like, you have yet to find a hill worth dying on that's worthy of your effort and time. Either way is a distortion of what I think Christ is inviting us to. So apathy is not contentment. Also, being visionless, just to not dream is not the kind of contentment we're talking about. I think you can be content and you can be on the move with deep care for the world and dreaming about the future, yet completely grounded in who Christ has made you to be in the way that Jesus defines you. Does that make sense? Like, like I think you can go after great things and, and pursue amazing things, and yet at the end of the night, lay your head on your pillow and go, I don't have to do anything. Christ accepts me right where I'm at. Like he loves me, right? I, 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 here's what you need to know. When you come to Jesus, you bring nothing to the table. That's the good news. That's the good news. Like, if you can bring anything to the table to earn what God wants to give you, to earn his grace, you will spend the rest of your life trying to make sure it was enough. But when you acknowledge, like, okay, I bring Jesus my shame, I bring him my sin, I bring him my sickness, and he gives me his holiness. That's the good news, and you receive that, and you move forward from that, and you you do all kinds of good things, not for approval, but from approval, right? Not for a place of purpose, but from a place of purpose. You know who you are, so you'll begin to know what to do. If you don't know who you are, you will spend your life just exerting this frenetic energy trying to do all kinds of things to, to, to please God or to feel okay about yourself, and you will never be at peace. I love Paul. He's in prison for the gospel. He's like, hey, I'm good. I know who I am. I have learned to be content. The second way you can know that you're living for potential instead of purpose is that you're living for potential if you're tormented by both your success and your failures. I will say this. um, Sometimes the most depressed and discouraged people in our midst are the most successful. We tend to think that the people that are really, like, clearly not doing well, you know, like, they just lost their job, or they're going through a divorce, or a medical issue, or whatever it may be, like, those are the depressed people. Many times, people are just as tormented by their success as their failures. And so, I'll tell you this, check on the people around you that you're like, oh, she's doing fine. He's doing fine. Look at their life. Have you seen them on Instagram or TikTok? Like, they are killing it, right? They just went to Tahiti last week, like, Don't check on them, check on me, right? Like, I got 16 kids screaming at me all day long. Like, whatever it is, check on the people that are doing well as much as the people that don't look like they're doing well because you can be tormented by both if you don't know who you are. Trust me, like, you can achieve the thing that you want to achieve and still not be at peace. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Then he wants to give us some details. He goes, whether well-fed or hungry, like, some of you lose your purpose just when you skip lunch. Let's be honest. Like, you didn't get a meal, and you're like, who am I? Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. The world hates me. Oh, man. Like, you, are, you fall apart because you miss a meal. Paul's in chains for the gospel. Pers- perspective, right? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, right? How's your 401k doing? Is it a 201k? Like, how, has it, is it struggling? And are you like, I don't know how to be successful when my retirement doesn't look good or when my bank account's kind of struggling right now and like, you know, it's $75 for a you know, gallon of milk. I don't know what to do with that. How do I be content in these circumstances? Paul seems to know. He's got, he's got something that he wants to give us. He says, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You guys know that verse, right? That's the one we cherry pick. We say, I can do whatever I want through Jesus who gives me strength. No. Paul's saying, I can, I can go through situations where I have nothing. I'm a man in chains for the gospel. Why can I do it? Why can I be content? Why do I have peace? Through Jesus. Because I have stopped trying to be the definition of my own life. I've stopped trying to earn my place in the universe, and I've received my identity fully from Christ alone. So I'm at peace I'm at peace and I'm driving and I'm doing great things but I'm at peace with who I am and where I'm at are you tormented by both your success as much as your failure have you gotten to the to the top of the mountain and then realized there's just another mountain to climb have you gotten the thing and, and this this happens a lot with us I remember for me and Amanda in each season of our marriage we've been always looking forward to the next season right Like, it's just, we just get married, and we're like, oh, one day we'll have kids, and that'll be really great, you know, and then you have one kid, and you're like, oh, maybe we'll have three kids, and that'll be really great, they have three kids, then you're like, oh, can you imagine when they're going to be teenagers, then they're they're teenagers, and it's always the next thing, and so it's always contentment deferred to the future. What if you could experience it today? What, some of you are like, man, you're struggling with even being in Alaska, right, right, your husband, your wife got stationed here, now you're in Alaska, you're like, I don't want to be here. So you're like, I'll be content when I go back to Florida, right? When I go back to Georgia, when I go back to North Carolina. No, you don't have to wait on contentment. Jesus wants to make you content now. He wants to give you everything you need here in this moment. And when you receive that, you get to wake up different in the morning. You get to wake up not having anything to prove to the world. How peaceful would that be? Do you know how different our society would be if nobody had anything to prove? Imagine. How things would look, right? Social media would go out of business, right? Nobody would post on Instagram, right? It would all be shut down because we've got nothing to prove. We're simply at peace with who we are in Christ Jesus. The third way that we can know if we're living for potential is that potential is worried about doing, but purpose is worried about being. Some of you need to hear this. This Christmas season is going to get busy for for a lot of people. There's a lot of things to do. And when you are living in potential, it will never end. Like, your schedule will be packed. You will pack your children's schedule because you're like, well, Billy, he's playing soccer, but what if Billy could be a great hockey player and a a great football player? And so let's fulfill all of Billy's potential. Billy's like, I just want to sleep, you know, like, (laughs) I never, I can never go to sleep. I can never be at home. Like, he just wants to slow down. And you're like, no, go fulfill all your potential. And, And secretly, we're hoping he does enough to fulfill all of our potential. Hear me on this. A day is coming, I want to be real with you, a day is coming where you will be able to contribute nothing. And this day is coming for everybody in the room. For some of you, it's a little closer than others, but the day is coming where you will be able to contribute nothing, where you will not be doing a whole lot, your life, your body will start to slow down. And the goal for so many of us is that if I can just do enough today to store up enough of my own accomplishments in the bank, that one day when my life does slow down, I'll be happy. I want you to know it will fail you. You cannot do enough in this life to set you up for the end of your life, and especially to set you up for the life to come. You see, the moment of salvation is when you come to Jesus with nothing. It's the moment that you say, "I." want to do good things, but I realized that I was not made to do those things. It's not why I exist. And you can start to slow down, and some of you just need to sit by the Christmas tree tomorrow morning. You need to wake up early before anybody is up in the house. You make sure your phone's off and the TV's off, and you need to have your Bible. You need to spend a minute praying. You need to spend a a minute just receiving who you are in Christ Jesus, letting God say, you are loved before you ever do a thing for me. You're enough. Not because you've done enough, but because I've done enough for you. You can be at peace. You can be content. In his book, Ordering Your Private World, Gordon MacDonald says this. He says, Driven people often project a bravado of confidence as they forge ahead with their achievement oriented life plan. But often at the moment when it is least expected, adversities and obstructions conspire and there can be personal collapse. Called people, on the other hand, possess strength from within, a quality of perseverance and power that are impervious to the blows from without. I want to live called. And it's okay to have drive. It's okay to have goals, dreams, vision, accomplishments. But I want to know what I'm called to. I want to know why I'm here. Are you willing to slow down on the things that you could do so that you can focus on the things that you must do? Are you will- Here's a question. Are you willing to look average for Jesus? To just sort of have an average life from the outside to people around you that they're like, yeah, that's, that's Brian. He's not that impressive. Am I willing to do that so that I can focus my energy on the things that matter most? Maybe, maybe you won't look average. Maybe you'll look incredible. Whatever it is, but can you lay those things on the altar and say, Jesus, I don't exist for those things. Plenty or in poorness, I am at peace. You see that question of how long do you think you're going to live isn't a bad question, but maybe this is a more important question. What is the ultimate purpose of your life? And this is the question everybody in the room has to answer. Either it's that you're going to stack up enough stuff in this life that you hope it's going to get you through to the end, or you're going to realize that my purpose here, that I was created by God, and I was created for God, and that I will never have peace in my soul until I realize that. Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So if you wanted your purpose today, you don't have to fill out the little thing that we did earlier. You can just look at that. You exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the moment that you receive that is the moment that you experience contentment. It's the only thing that will give you contentment. It's the only thing that gives you peace. Jesus calls Himself the bread of life. He says, come to me and you will never hunger again. Remember the woman at the well? He says, he says, I am a spring of life, of living water. If you come and drink of me, you will never thirst again, but drink of that water and you will be back here every day after day after day after day. And for some of you, that is your job. That is your life. It's day after day. It's exhausting. Come to Jesus with nothing. Come to Jesus and bring him nothing to the, and realize that it's all just a free gift. And receive who he says you are. What is the ultimate purpose of your life? To glorify God. To enjoy him forever. First John 2, 7 says, And the world is passing away along with its, with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, whatever you invest into God's kingdom in this world will last forever. And the things that you don't invest into his kingdom and don't invest into people, those things will pass away. Those are the things that you think will be enough for you. They just will never be enough. What's your next step today? I want you to grab your action card off your seat. Um, We we do this as a church family. If you're new to this, we want to move forward together. We don't want to just go to church. We want to experience what God is saying to us. I just am confident God is saying something uniquely specific to everyone in the room here today. And only you know what that is. So we've got some ways that you might be taking a step forward this morning and I encourage you to check one of these boxes. Maybe you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. We have people every single week here at ACF that check that box and let us know that they want to begin a relationship with Jesus and so we we get resources in their hands. Um, We've got some things just to help you take a step forward. So if that's you today, check that box. Maybe you need help discovering your purpose. Are you just confused? The good news is you can begin with that. Okay, I exist to glorify God, to worship Him and to enjoy Him, and that that's enough. Like, that's, that's more than enough. Also, if you need help discovering your purpose, I want you to just keep listening for the next Crash Course. Crash Course is a, it's, it's an afternoon thing that we put together, uh, a class that is a way for you to discover, discover some of your spiritual gifts, how God wants to use you in the church, and, and maybe to find your purpose. And so I want to encourage you to, to go to that. That's really the first thing you need to do, Um, if you're new to ACF, and you'll discover some things about ACF Church along the way. It'd be really good. Maybe you're tired of living for others' approval, and and you just need prayer for that this week, and you're driven by whether people think good things or negative things about you. Maybe you need contentment-driven motivation. Are you that person that has yet to find a hill worth dying on, and you just tend to always think something is somebody else's job, and maybe God's like, I have actually called you to do this. It's a step up. And that you can do that not to earn some kind of contentment, but because you are content in Jesus. So make sure you check one of those boxes and drop that in the basket on the way out. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are enough for us. God, we all want to ask you to forgive us for seeking fulfillment in the things that cannot satisfy. Whether it be accomplishments or the next business idea or the next career, the next degree, the next child. God, forgive us for taking good things and turning them into ultimate things, things that are meant to satisfy when, God, only you are enough. So, God, I pray we'd be a people of contentment that as the world looks at ACF Church, they'd see people that are satisfied, people at peace, with God, with each other, and at peace with ourselves. Thank you that your blood is enough to cover any sin, God, and that for all of us in this room, none of us have done anything too great to keep us out of your kingdom. And thank you that salvation is something fully received that we bring nothing to the table. I pray for the men and women in this room today, God, that whether it be one or many, would just receive the free gift of salvation today. God, use our church to make a difference. I pray we would find hills that are worth dying on, God, thank you that you told us what our worth was very clearly the day that you went to the cross. That we don't have to wonder how much we're worth, but we can see it visibly through the nail-pierced hands of Christ on the cross. That was the day, God, that you told all of humanity you are worth dying for. So we receive that today. We love you, we worship you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you guys.